the fuck is with me, your host is always Brian Dress. With me, as always, Jonathan Hardesty. What the hell? Joey Darso. <laughs> he can do And that. Emily Blake. <laughs> Are we redoing that? No, not at all. We're just going to keep moving. <laughs> Special guest today is Elliot Campos. Hi, Elliot. Hi. This always happens when we do two in one day. Uh, Elliot, how are you doing? Pretty hot. Yeah, it's, it's warm hot here, isn't it? in yeah. California. Your apartment is moderately less hot than outside, but not appreciably so. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'll take we, it. If we can keep the air conditioning on, it's better. But but that's not good for sound. No, it's not. Uh, Elliot, you have anything to plug? I think I saw you had a episode of Beyond School come out somewhat recently, right? Yeah, we just had a new episode of the sci-fi audio play Beyond School available on iTunes about a teenage girl who battles evil aliens. We just put up episode 27, and Ooh. the series is actually ending at episode 30. So we are in the home stretch, guys. So now mm. is a great time to marathon through the entire show and be here when it all comes to a rousing conclusion <laughs> uh and it's all just on anywhere you get podcasts right yeah it's on mm-hmm. itunes there's a blogspot page and there's a facebook page nice uh i look forward to listening to how it ends i've only listened to two episodes i'm a terrible friend um i'm I, used to it I, I enjoyed what i listened to though i do want to listen to the rest of it it was good enough to hook me i just i listened to a billion podcasts. good enough to hook you and then you just kind of dangled on the hook <laughs> yes without yep. actually being drawn in entirely I'm still swimming for my life, if you will. Yeah, and I will let you go at some point, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? What an interesting look into the uh, dangle, the world dangle. of the creator and the you know the consumed. Yep. Yeah. Consumed. Consumed. <laughs> like I just keep refreshing his Twitter <laughs> profile to see when he's going to tweet that he listened to the rest of them. That's a long wait for me. I tweet like once a month. Yeah. I, think I just tweeted about dreaming at spaceships for the first time in like two months, like three nights ago. Oh, yeah, I saw yeah, that. Definitely yeah. tweet long descriptions of your dreams. Everyone loves that. I know. That's I am the best at Twitter. <laughs> Everyone should follow me at why, Brian, why for all of my tweets. I don't think I tweet ever anymore. I think I have 15 tweets. I tweet about a thousand times a day. Yeah, I don't. Really? Yeah. I, tweet, I live on Twitter. I yeah. tweet a lot. Twitter's fun. I live on it. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Oh, I do at work. Yeah. Hey, where have you been doing? Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. We're, doing well, you didn't actually We're recording say that. things. Well, no, now I have. Okay. Well, um, I don't think I. What have I watched lately? Um, I wasn't even thinking about it. You watched. Um, I don't know. I don't. You watched War of the Planet of the Apes last week. Somebody else go. I don't even know what I've been doing. <laughs> uh, I saw. I was going to say this one for you, but I want to say it for myself because I'm a dick. Uh, I watched the movie Fist Fight. Uh, oh yeah. I was excited for it back when I first heard it was coming out because I liked Charlie Day and I thought him and Ice Cube would be funny together. And then I oh, read the reviews movie. and they were not great. And then I watched the movie and I think it got kind of a bad shake. I think people thought it would be a good movie for some reason. And I don't know why this got like the reputation. Like, that's the one to see. It, it, it was exactly what it said it was going to be. It's two teenagers being uh, two teachers being very juvenile about a fight they're going to have at the end of the day. And then they have the fight. Right. And it's a surprisingly brutal fight. Like, I, I was kind of surprised at how fist fighty the fist fight was. Like, it was like, oh, shit. But uh, I enjoyed it. The running gag of, like, it's senior prank day, because the whole movie takes place over one day, and the senior pranks just get worse and worse and worse throughout the day. It's, like, a surprisingly good gag that works throughout the whole movie. And, like, I didn't know that from the trailer, but, like, the one part with uh, Tracy Morgan was like, this shit is getting ridiculous! I was like, I had no idea what they were talking I thought they were talking about, like, the fight and the ramp of the fight. No, it's just the senior pranks. They're just getting out of control. Um, they can do that. I'm just going to jump on this because I don't yeah. think I did much else this week. Uh, I actually enjoyed it. Yeah, it was funny. And it's got some of the best, best meth jokes I've heard lately in a long yeah. time. Uh, a lot of good meth jokes. It was, and it was and in all one the, of the kids are criminals. Oh, like, yeah. If I was, terrible, pl- terrible if I was going to this school, I'd be like, you sh- the cops should just come and arrest the entire <laughs> senior class. You guys are terrible. The uh, the one joke it was in a couple of the trailers, but the uh, from between Charlie Day and I forget her name. Uh, she's fucking hilarious though, where she's like, "Oh, I shouldn't do she's meth." An it, idiot sitter. And yeah, stuff. she's like, "Oh yeah, it's a gateway drug." He's like, "No, no, it's a, that's the finish line drug. Like that's where you end." <laughs> that's the, yeah, it's the end all <laughs> yeah, meth. It's a I I would recommend it. It's definitely. I mean, I can understand not paying twenty bucks to hit in the theater, but now that it's on like VOD and whatnot, I think it's worth your time. It's yeah. it's entertaining. It's a good way to spend an hour and a half. That's it for me and apparently Chewy. Yeah, I've been uh, listening to Greg Sestero read his book, The Disaster Artist. Um, I'm very excited about that movie, Uh, partly because, guys, 
Uh, Seth Rogen plays the script supervisor, who was apparently the only reason that movie is even remotely watchable. Um, it's watchable? The Room. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, it's a, for those of you who don't know, The Disaster Artist <laughs> is about uh, The Room, the making of The Room, which is a terrible goddamn film. It is watchable if you, like, turn off every In the right setting, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think um, we own it. We do. You do. I noticed that. Yeah. Um, so it was given, own it. I it mean, was given to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. given's a nice way it's, to say I stole it. It's it's fascinating <laughs> to watch, but but I definitely recommend watching the movie first and then reading the book. Or or, or in my case, I'm li- I like listening to Greg Sestero read it because he does accents. Uh, his mom is French, <laughs> and Tommy Wiseau has that weird hybrid European accent, and yeah. he does every time he does a line that Tommy Wiseau says, he does it in Tommy's accent. So I'll be like, funny. "Greg, why don't oh. you come?" or whatever. I can't do it, but like, it's really great listening is to him European? do it. Oh, hi, Mark. Uh, he's vague about it. Like, even Greg, who was like Tommy's best friend, doesn't know where he's from or how he got his money. Um, we know one of the guys who uh, shot the movie, and listen, listening to him talk about it, it's just fascinating. Oh, it oh, is. Yeah. And, and what's really cool about the book is Greg is really good at uh, establishing both Tommy's weirdness and the, the reason that other people find him uncomfortable. And it sounds like he's kind of, he really hates women. Um, oh, I got that. Oh, that yeah. guy? No yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, not just from the movie, but like his his yeah he's not good at making fry obviously he has real social issues but also like there's a little bit of pity like you see the reason greg became his friend and why he like he sees all these nice things that tommy does specifically for greg he doesn't necessarily do them for anyone else but like and i've had friends like that where you're like well they're nice to me um yeah you know so it's actually really interesting you're getting a real good picture of like basically his point is that tommy made this movie because he wanted to kiss a girl and look like the cool guy and that's so sad when you think about it that way explains um, a lot of the movie though. yeah and and um but it's it's a fascinating if you like film history which i absolutely love and i love autobiographies especially when they're being read by the person who wrote them and it's um i'm not done with it yet but like every day i'm like oh my god that's that's so fa-. like it's just complete i can see why it was it was snatched up real quick for the um for the adaptation for the film because, uh, which is James Franco, Dave Franco is playing Greg. Um, like I said, Seth Rogen is a script supervisor. Uh, Sandy, I forget his last name. But um, uh, because even from the very first scene, you can, as he's reading it, you're like, oh, I see this scene. Like, I can see it on film in a heartbeat. So I can't wait. That movie's coming out in December. I'm stoked about it's it because the book be is good. really good. I, the only thing that kind of annoys me about it, and it's just because I'm me, the idea that James Franco insisted on directing the entire movie in character is just kind of like, come oh, on, Oh, did man. he? Yeah. Oh. I mean, that's just such a... Artiste. Yeah, it's just kind of because he was a horrible person to people. Like people, he treated people like shit on set. So don't do that. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm just like. That's just kind of dumb. But whatever, that's me. Uh, Maybe. Ellie, what about you? Where have you been doing? Yeah. So dialing it back, old school for a sec. I watched The Incredible Shrinking Man from Mm. 1957. I actually read the book in college, written by Richard Matheson. The same gentleman who wrote I Am Legend, a really great author. The book was incredible, loved it, finally got around to watch the movie, and it was good. I really liked it. It's a very faithful adaptation, really going through all the major beats of the book, and it has a lot of nifty forced perspective, kind of size-changing special effects for 1950s. Now, I probably have lowered expectations somewhat for what a movie in 1957 can do that's really awe-inspiring special effects-wise, but definitely the big centerpiece of the movie is a fight with a spider. And in the movie, it's great. It's awesome because it's this huge hulking spider. For me personally, reading the book, I like it a little more as like this common house spider that if yeah. you saw it, you would just like, oh, just flick it away. It's like no big deal. Right. But for this guy, because he's so small, like this insignificant little spider becomes this like hulking beast that is trying to kill him all the time. So uh, that minor aspect aside, which is a personal thing, why didn't they have 2017 money when they made this all those years ago? I do highly recommend the movie. It's a uh, very easy watch and the book is really good as well let's check it out i i've read uh i read i am legend and then i read his interviews about like yeah nobody can get my movies right Um, (laughs) yeah he uh he uh because with i am legend not only the will smith movie but omega man with ron heston it's been 
done again and again. But yeah, if you read that book, I remember I actually read it before I saw the Will Smith movie. Yeah, me too. That's when I read it. Yeah, and there were sequences in that book where I'm just like turning the pages as yeah. fast as I can because it's such a, it makes your heart pound so fast. But then I go see the Will Smith movie and it's like, where's all that heart pounding stuff in the yeah. book? Why didn't they try and adapt any of that instead of having him fuck around in video stories. So like the most important relationship in that book is, is the antagonist. And they took all that away by making him more of a zombie than a vampire. So that, that, that core relationship of the book is now just non-existent. Yeah. And the book, it jumps around in chronology. So there's all these reveals about like, yeah, initially in the book, you're like, Oh, there's this like bloodthirsty vampire that has it out for him in particular. But then you read as you read mm. later, it's just, oh, he's a fucking neighbor guy. And that's yeah. what's but, so sad about that. Yeah, it's but really... in the movie, it's just like, ooh, it's a... Mm. It's a horror. Yeah. It's a CGI yeah. reject from uh, the robot movie. And I like yeah. the movie, actually, but, but when the you compare it to the movie had a good reveal about the dog. Yeah. Um, because the entire movie, he was calling the dog Sam. Mm. And then, like, when the dog is, like, passing away... Well, you find out that it was, like, his kid's dog, and it was the only part of his family that he had left. And then... Um, sorry if I'm spoiling the movie for everybody. It came out 10 years ago. On this show, no way. Um, But uh, yeah, then you find out the dog's real name is Samantha. So it's like a girl dog. And it's just, I think that was the most that movie got me emotionally. Um, But I don't know. Maybe I should revisit it for some, like after the hype podcast thing. (laughs) Uh, maybe at some maybe. point. Yeah. I can talk about why I like I Am Legend, and, but, but why, like, it's kind of disappointing that they changed some things. I don't want to read the book again before I'd watch it mm. again. It's a lot maybe to we do. should just do it after the hype on the book. Maybe. Yeah, after the hype, maybe. books. We've never done a book. John, what have you been doing? Uh, so I got sick of listening to, uh, just nonfiction podcasts of people talking about topics like tech and movies and stuff, so I tried to do one fictional. I started listening to an actual play podcast, uh, tabletop role-playing podcast called Friends at the Table. And they just got like, what was it? Uh, their Patreon just blew up. Got like 7,000 within the first week. Uh, just because I've been working so hard at it. And it's basically a tabletop role-playing game. They pick, not like not original D&D, but newer games other creators have started to come out with that play on that formula. And uh, they kind of play around with critical world building. And I wasn't sure how I'd feel about listening to a podcast of people playing D&D. But uh, after listening to them kind of explore what they wanted to do with their the world and then kind of build their characters around that and then actually go into the story. It was very interesting to listen to and uh, I actually recommend it. I'm enjoying everything I'm listening to. It's just long. So in the grand scheme of things, it's going to take me a while to get through the whole thing and they're, they're, they're on a new season. So you can start now and not feel lost because none of the other seasons connect. They're all just like individual stories. So it's pretty cool. What was it called again? Uh, Friends at the table. Cool. The, the soundtrack is really good. And the artwork for it is also really nice, really well done. I will keep an eye out for it. Yeah, uh, I think it's time to talk about the uh, movie of the day, movie on the table, quite literally in this room. Uh, Let's get on track. Yeah. <laughs> ah, fun. So today's movie is Train Spotting Two, Two, aka T Two, which I am uh, personally offended by. Yeah. I do not like that title. Because Terminator T2 is Judgment T- Day. T2 is Judgment Day, which is also the greatest movie ever made. Correct. Uh, it is. It is. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're, we're Star Wars yeah. is always better yeah. than, than Judgment Day. Mm. No, Star Wars is a great movie. One of the best of all better. time. But the best film ever best. made is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Correct. No. It's just the way it is. No. <laughs> These are facts. They're not opinions. Yeah, no. no. Brian's right on this one, <laughs> Alternative facts. Uh, How dare you? Mm. You got a little blonde on your beard. What? what does that have to do what with is, the fact that Terminator that 2... It's the only way I can ref- reference Trump. Oh. Oh. I'm wearing a shirt that says impeach him right now. Yeah, that doesn't mean you can't use alternative facts. You're using a phrase coined by him uh-huh. to attack somebody they're claiming... You know Actually, what? Actually, it wasn't coined by Trump. Happening. It was coined by Spencer? No, uh, this is what happens when, when people are proven wrong. They like to attack you personally yeah. and compare you to Trump. Oof. I mean, what's worse at this point, a Nazi or Trump? And wait, what? What? Who's a Nazi? Who is a Nazi? I'm saying, like, whenever they would say people want to, like, take you oh. down, they compare uh, you to Nazi, so now they compare you to Trump. Who's really worse? I don't I know. I did not see what you are talking about. Uh. Mm. Oh. <laughs> so back to T2, a.k.a. Train Spotting 2. I'm going to stop calling it T2 now. I'm just looking at the yeah, title. Yeah, don't. Don't. Um, 
this movie came out earlier this year. It came with a huge wet fart in America. Uh, <laughs> no, no one realized. Yeah, it made fucking $2 million. Nobody saw it. barely in advertising. Yeah, barely yeah. advertised. Although, I still think it has the best trailer of the year so far. Um, Fantastic trailer. I love the trailer for this movie, and I do not like trailers as like a at all. But this trailer, I think, is great. It does a great job like advertising the movie while not spoiling anything in the movie. It's um, what trailers should be. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, did well overseas it made its money back and then some overseas i think it actually doubled its budget it doubled it yeah yeah uh so it did very well everywhere else but america and then like in america you bring it up and people are like oh they're making a sequel to transpotting no no they made it and it's on dvd it's now. happened to me multiple times yeah. at work at this point i mentioned mm-hmm. to people who are doing this podcast and they're like when did when are they doing that i'm like happened it's already out yeah <laughs> yeah it just did not have a big ad campaign over here but what so after do? no hype. Yeah, uh, not after the hype European style, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> where there was some hype. Uh, yeah, and then the reviews were decent. People liked it. People didn't like it. They're all over the board, and I think there's a lot of good reasons for both of those arguments in this movie, which we'll get into after a breakdown, breakdown, breakdown. Ellie, are you excited to do a breakdown for this movie? Am I ever? Look how <laughs> animated Elliot is. I've never seen... A- him more animated. Good. <laughs> Raise the hype as far as possible. <laughs> All right. So, Train Spotting 2 in 30 seconds. Here we go, 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 go! 20 years after the release of Train Spotting, director Danny Boyle cashes in on the debatable nostalgia for the property to reunite his older and fatter cast to explore the tedium of middle age. This movie is 117 minutes long. <laughs> I'm getting the feeling <laughs> that, that Elliot did not enjoy this. <laughs> oh Good <my> lord. <laughs> did I go over the time? Uh, no, you're actually four <laughs> seconds under. Good nice. job, Elliot. Wow. Yeah, I'd say that was success. <laughs> Good. It was uh, pretty cold blooded, but it was a success. <laughs> Oh, holy fuck, I'm dead. <laughs> like, I almost feel like you're describing a date you had. <laughs> and the, the at the end, if you described that date to me, I'd be like, so it didn't go well? <laughs> well, for me, I didn't just watch this movie. I watched the first movie as well. So I had an entire movie's worth of buildup building up to this one. So there was a little more pressure on it than there usually is. Yeah, I, I mean, haven't rewatched Train Spotting the first one yet. I mean, I've seen I've seen Train Spotting the first movie. I, I'd want to say almost more than most movies. Like that, that's like in, in like Train Spotting for me is like one of my favorite movies of all time. It's in like my top ten. I love it. I think it's. Uh, I've been using the word flawless a lot today in both this episode and the one before it. Oh, you have. Um, but I, I this is one of my all time favorite movies. So there's no way walking into this movie that it will be as good as the first. So I just kind of walked into this one expecting. A little less. And with that, I think I was able to come out a little bit more pleasantly surprised. But I did not do what you did where I watched the first one right before it. I think that would have been uh, disastrous. I did that. (laughs) I would say at the same time, I don't think if you have not seen the first one, you're not going to understand this movie. This movie, no. This is not for somebody who's not. this. You cannot watch this one without seeing the first one. I don't think you should watch them back to back. Um, (sighs) Yeah. I mean, I only had one movie in between them. <laughs> well, that's still better than what Elliot did. Yeah. I, to be fair, I yeah, didn't Elliot. watch them back to back. I watched oh. one Thursday night, the other Friday oh, morning. Okay. So there was a little Thursday night to Friday morning. You, you took a nap in between. Well, I went to sleep for the duration <laughs> of the night in between. Did you have weird drug-induced dreams? Uh, nope, like a rock, because the yeah. movie did not inspire anything. <laughs> oh, well, the first one? You know, the first one, I did like it. Um, it's very Had 90s it independent cinema. I saw it when I was a high schooler. Okay. So when I saw it as a high schooler, I really liked it. I looked on IMDb and I gave it a 9 out of 10 star rating. And then after revisiting it, it was interesting because I haven't really thought about it in many years. But watching the movie, there were so many classic bits where yeah. you're like, oh yeah, I remember that. Man, I remember seeing Spud throw his shit all across the kitchen. Yeah. I remember the visceral reaction I had to that as a teenager. It was because gross. that's tops as a teenager. Well, yeah, but as even even as a teenager as an adult when the movie came out, movies were not doing that sort of stuff. Like we're in a different climate now where that stuff isn't as shocking as it was back when this came out 20 years ago. Especially 
Well, when I saw it, it was probably the early 2000s. Sure. And at that time, I was only a few years into really watching R-rated movies. Okay. I had a, a very delayed period of getting into the harder stuff. Right. The first R-rated movie I ever saw was actually Billy Elliot. That's R-rated? They say there fuck is. a lot. That, uh, God that's forbid. my mentality at that particular time. I love Billy Elliot, by the way. Um, it's a charming sleeper. Would you call it flawless? <laughs> you, know, you know what I would. All right. Another <laughs> flawless film for the day. Um, but no, so the the interesting thing that I think about, like, train spotting to train spotting 2, uh, specifically, and it'll be kind of the theme of the day, is like this movie entirely rides on nostalgia. Like right. it is, it is made for people who are nostalgic about the first movie, who always wanted that sequel and never got it. Uh, nostalgic about the characters, about the music, about everything. This movie, and then the the meta nature of it, to quote Danny Boyle, is that all of the people in the movie are nostalgic for the exact same thing that they're expecting the audience to be nostalgic nostalgic for. So I think it's kind of an interesting way to make a movie, and I think it was a really interesting way to tell this story. Was that while you're sitting here expecting to see like the some callbacks, like him getting hit by a car and doing that like wide-eyed grin or uh, any of that stuff, they're also wanting the same thing. So when I watch like most of these like 20 year later sequels, a lot of them feel like they're trying to pay homage to their original source material, but they're trying to pay homage to their original source material, whereas this one is using the source material to tell a story. And I think that was really for me what sets this one apart from all these other like way late sequels we've been getting a lot of lately. This one definitely doesn't try to mimic the aesthetic of the first one. Right. It really feels worn out, middle-aged, tired. Um, For the first one, it's so of that 90s independent scene where it's very punk rock and dirty. It's very much of the time. And I feel like what you were talking about, Mm -hmm. how this one, it's coding to catering to the nostalgia of the yeah. times. That's what our film industry is built on right now. Oh, totally. So it seems like both of these movies are very typical of the product that is coming out of Hollywood around their release. But what's interesting I, is the the fact that despite this being all about old and nostalgia and them not getting over things, they're also using amazing cinematography, modern cam- like modern camera work, modern editing, and a lot of graphical overlay stuff that's just wasn't as easy to do in that time and they're really putting like a new spin on it which was a very interesting kind of commentary at the same on that. time i didn't feel like it was motivated like that's the thing is like the first movie was about people who were high all the time so everything was surreal and weird and it made sense in in and i say this as someone who like danny boyle is one of my top like three directors of all time i, I don't think he's made a bad movie until this and I, f- I feel like everything he's done is genius so I went into this with high expectations because I'm such a huge fan of Danny Boyle I love everything he does and 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 this just it it was like he's using he used every trick in the bag it was just like oh here's a cool thing here's a cool thing here's a cool thing here's a cool thing and none of it felt like it came naturally from the story mm-hmm. like I said they were drug addicts they all saw things in weird ways when he goes on that big rant about choose life that's youth that's like this, this, uh, we all could, could kind of young people could relate to that because it was sort of just like, yeah, well, you know, when you're that age, you think you know everything, you think you have all the answers and all that. This time, this speech just, it was sort of like, oh, here's a speech I gave that doesn't really fit anymore. See, I disagree. That I, speech, uh, that could... speech nailed the movie for really? me. I think that was the best part, like, not maybe not the best part of the movie, but up there because that was him saying, I failed. Yeah. And that's, no, well, that's and, true. They and that is him failed. talking to the 20 year old who still has her life in front of her saying, you have the opportunity to not fail like I did. Yeah. Like these I, are all the things I should have chosen and done and I didn't. I chose drugs and an easy escape and I fucked my life I, up. And I think that's still my problem though is that I feel like when I'm watching the original movie like these people can turn their lives around. Like at the end you're like maybe he'll get his shit together. Maybe something will come of this. And in, and in this movie it's more like oh I guess that didn't happen. What are we rooting for now? We're rooting for 40 year olds to get their lives together? But that's together? the thing is I don't think you're rooting. To me when I watch this movie it touches on a lot of fears that I have about my life in a way. Hmm. I'd be like, okay, so the movie before this, I haven't rewatched in a while, but I remember it being like all about these crazy kids doing lots of drugs, but then feeling like you can really rise above your circumstances and, like you said, become something, even if you have to screw everyone over. And in this one, it just shows that they all failed. 
and that you get older and you have all these dreams and you either you're stuck in a rut like most of them are or you went out and you tried to do this stuff and it still ended poorly and you just end up right back to where you were. So basically it's Alien 3 where you're like, <laughs> they save Newt, yeah, oh, she's dead. Okay, well, never yeah. mind. I don't, I, I, it I, really sh- plays on a lot of my fears in that way. I'm like, okay, I'm 33, I'm almost my mid-30s, and then in my brain it's so spiraling, soon I'm going to be middle-aged, and I'm in this career that... I really need to work hard at. I need to manage my body because if I don't manage my body, if I don't manage all these things, I'm going to end up old, bitter, and in pain all the time. So That's a lot. That's really heavy. Yeah, <laughs> it is. But I see that every day when I go to work, when I see the men, the men and women I'm working with and they always talk about how much pain they're in. Ugh. And my boss is even like, it's just not natural for us to work this many hours on our feet. And about how, and I'll go into all of it, but it's just like, I'm constantly getting all these visions of like, I need to not be this. I need to make sure that I am fixing my life now that I don't end up this way because I want to be able to do all the things that I love. And then I watch a movie like this where this Renton put a lot of effort into getting all the things he wanted to love. Mm. And then oh, he still and then he still ended up with a heart problem. You know, he didn't and, he had a heart yeah, attack, that's right? A really good and then point. he ends up yeah. divorced and he ends up going back home living in his childhood bedroom. That like fear like yeah. this movie touches it's on all a, those things. It's a cautionary tale in like in kind of the worst way. But like I like I still appreciate it, but it's like a cautionary tale of like you need to learn to be content with your lot in life. And it's like you can shoot for the stars and hope for the best, but even if you don't get it, you need to be okay with that. And that's what yeah. I got from the movie. Cuz at the end of the movie, he uh they didn't kill um Begby. They uh he and Sick Boy end up being friends again, and it's really just like so we tried to shoot with the stars. We didn't get there. But what we have is we still have our friendship. We still have yeah. what we should have had from the beginning before we started fucking each other over. And that scene at the end, which is interesting if you watch behind the scenes, where they're on the couch and they're just talking about the books that um, uh, Spud was writing, was supposed to take place way earlier in the movie. But when they got into the editing room, they moved it to the end. because like, oh, this kind of puts a somewhat better bow on it of everything's fucked. But they still have each other. And I think that was, for me, I thought that was super important. It does get back to like uh, that one song and be like, the people you knew when you were young will always be there. I don't yeah. I'm quoting it wrong. Sure. But. But. I, and I guess that's, that's this is this is good because I, I was having trouble understanding the point of anything. I was having trouble <laughs> yeah. understanding the point of the camera movements that were all clever. Like I was having trouble understanding this each scene. I could, for the longest time, I was like, where are they going with Frank? Like, how does he... I'm glad they yeah. finally brought him into the story because for the longest time I thought, is this just nostalgia? We're just going to show Frank and his story and it's never going to line yeah. up. Like, I, I just I just had... I struggled for a purpose for the movie for so long. I kept going, what, what is the point other than, hey, remember those friends you fucked over? They're still pissed. I, I, I just, yeah. So, so it's good. I'm glad you guys saw something in it because I just, I got to the end and I just, I was just like, why? I don't understand why. Yeah, this was actually one of those movies where when I got to the end, I had to just go to Wikipedia and read the plot summary to get a really clear, concise on how those images and scenes coalesced into an actual story that's trying to uh, deliver a message or a point. I feel like for me, Mm -hmm. it's potentially possible that 20 years from now, I'll watch this and I'll really find that reservoir of meaning. I might just be a little too young for it. It's like when I was too young for train spotting when I watched it like as a teenager and now I'm like I get what train spotting's doing. I'm you know, I'm not I actually haven't done heroin. Sure. But I'm You I've, should try it. It's a blast. I, I don't I'm know more if familiar with depictions has. of it in media. Yeah. Um but uh this movie it seems like it's a very specific, like middle aged kind of thing. And even yeah. if um a couple years from now like Chewie's talking about, where I'm getting closer to it and it's dominating more in my thoughts, this movie might have more significance for me personally. But now for, you know, a guy who loved Lego Batman this year, <laughs> um, it might just not be hitting on all cylinders. This, it's definitely this type of film that it's it's touching on very specific aspects of life that you can either relate to or not. And if you don't relate to these ideas or problems then yeah, you're going to be bored. like Because that's really all it is. It's about nostalgia, but it's also just about the... Within the nostalgia, it's about a certain type of growing up that not everyone experiences or worries about. Yeah. Or can do. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, I mean th- that's the thing is I don't think these guys grow up. I think that that might be off the I mark. Mean, th- this they, is a weird movie where you know how you, they always say you can never go home. They yeah. actually do. Yeah. Some of them never leave, and then Renton goes back, and he gets a really actually quite comforting looking hug from his father. But the the that's funny you mentioned that because in the when you watch behind the scenes stuff, that's the only moment in the movie that made uh, Ian McGregor like ball. Apparently, mm. when he watched the movie, he saw the moment where he hugged his dad, and he just started crying. Mm. And it's like the the thing that I I like about this movie is I like that you, the idea you can never go home, and this movie's all about of yeah you can. Because yeah, I, I think it might by, not be the best thing in the world. But by him going home, that's how Sick Boy was available, was finally able to be content with being home. Like him coming home fixed the puzzle. Like I, him not being there is what was making Sick Boy's life terrible because they were supposedly the best friends in the entire world. Without Renton there, uh, Spud went back on drugs and he had a whole bunch of problems. Renton comes home and suddenly Sick Boy's happy again. He's doing things that he enjoys again. Granted, they're criminal activities and he shouldn't be doing them, but he's enjoying life again. That throws some interesting twists into the original movie then because it's like at the end you're like good for him for getting out of this life except yeah. him getting out of this life ruined everybody else's ruined life. everybody else's life and so in yeah. retrospect it actually changes the end of train spotting yeah. yeah I mean there are cu- groups of people that need each other sure that are like whether or not it's like a sexual relationship or not there are just friendship soulmates and if you lose that it's a part of you that's gone and you're never going to feel content again and that's that's one of the things i like about this movie is like the the friendship between him and sick boy um if you've ever read the books is very very like in there in the first train spotting movie i thought it kind of missed the mark a little bit and i love train spotting as i mentioned before but the book is great but you really feel their bond and the first movie you have a couple scenes with them together where it's like oh yeah these guys are good friends and then this movie they really hammer that like no you guys were inseparable and i like that this movie is about mm-hmm. them kind of coming back together um, I don't remember where I was going with that originally. I don't know. But, well, and that may be the disservice of watching them so close together. Is that in the first movie, I, I, I didn't understand why they were friends necessarily. This movie, this movie tries harder to bring that home. And I think in, in of itself as a movie, it does, you know, I get that point. But having seen Trainspotting, I was like, like you said, uh, I'm like, good, that he got away. There was no reason why he was with them. Like, it doesn't make sense. Everything... They're mates. Got, what can you do? Yeah, they're mates. No, what no, can that, you do? That is the mentality. If I grew up with them, they are my friends for life. They are basically family. No, I and re- I think in this movie, the, the the shots of the child, like their childhood, those 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 pulls in there are, are kind of what saved that for me. Yeah, that like oh, okay, I see it in this movie. I didn't see it in the other movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't like they were there. I feel like they were mates in that like a Tarantino esque way, where it's like just they're gonna be doing criminal things and activities, but they don't really like each other. It's they're out for themselves and that's it. And they're not mates. But see, this was like their mates. And I See, I get that. Yeah, from the first movie, totally. But I think that's kind of how they saw it in the first movie. Like they're out to get drugs. And right. whether or not Renton gets drugs or Sick Boy gets drugs, he, they don't care as long as they're the ones with the drugs. Mm-hmm. Whereas this movie, it's it's way past that. Like they went through the shit together and now they realize that without each other, they they wouldn't have survived that era. And I, I think that, that for me is what comes across a lot. Is like these three, technically four guys were needed for each other the whole time and that's why it was so sad that tommy died in the first one yeah and that, i love that crushed me that was yeah the, yeah and i love that sequence when they go out to like pay respects to tommy and sick boy's like yeah i'm not feeling anything it's sad that he died but i don't feel it and like that's just how detached he's become like, mm-hmm. it's depressing it's sad it's not a happy movie no because at all sick boy essentially especially when they touch on the death of his daughter yeah, yeah. he essentially can't feel anything I just like, wish the movie it, hadn't been as detached as he was in that moment. Yeah, it was it because, was, like, I, I, I think for what it's doing, oh, he started to cry, and like the first movie gives him more cry. And I think sometimes, like when when you were talking about going home, you can go home; those emotions can come back and overpower. I, I think editing did that moment I think a disservice I, I totally agree because they they had that discussion and then he mentioned the daughter and then they cut to Spud leaving flowers for Tommy and you could see sick boy and Renton in the background and I kept thinking that something was going to happen in the background because he just brought that up I thought there'd be a fight and the music was swelling shouting, and the music was swelling and I think the problem with that is I was so busy looking to the background to see what was going to happen that I completely missed Spud's moment I agree with you for the most part but I, I also think that Again, just because I've read the books, like that is that is sick boy. Yeah, like that is his character through and through. Like you could bring up his daughter, you could full on like insult the fact that he's responsible for his daughter's death. 
He wouldn't care. Oh, I, I agree. I'm yeah. saying the way it was shot. Sure, That, that sure. we then yeah. cut to a moment that was actually really, really good for Spud. Yeah. Good for uh, Spud, but then like framed almost comedically because I thought yeah. with the music swelling that Sick Boy was going to yeah. hit him again. Yeah. Like I was kind of like so, expecting a violence in the background for some reason. Yeah. that uh, Same. Same. So you missed Spud being emotional yeah. because you were distracted by what was going on in the background. So I, I have no doubt that's an yeah. appropriate reaction. It's just the way it was. It was yeah. It was, it was an awkwardly framed sequence. Yeah. And, like in a movie where I don't think there's a lot of awkwardly framed no. sequences. No. That's that's kind of a, a weak moment to try to shove that in there, but it doesn't really bother me that much. I find it interesting that each character is essentially representative of the emotional spectrum. Hmm. Sure. Because you have, Be- it's Begbie, right? Begbie, But yeah. uh, he's just pure rage and malice. You have Spud, who is, is kind of like happiness almost, and remorse and empathy, where he really feels all like the good emotions, and even like remorse is a good emotion, and, and then you have Renton, who's kind of selfish, very much kind selfish. of, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and regret, and just like all of that. And you have Sick Boy, who's just detached, where he doesn't want to feel anything. They all have their different level of emotions and represent a very specific part of the human experience in this film. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I've I've talked to a lot of people. Uh, who full blown hate this movie. And I've talked to a lot of people who love it. And it's, it's interesting what different people take from it. Um, I have heard a lot of people say the kind of the same thing you guys were saying, like the story just didn't really click. And for me, maybe I do have the, the slight advantage of having read the source material. So I kind of knew where everything was going already, but it's still, it does not follow the source material very well at all. Like kind of intentionally. So like the, the, this is more so based on the book porno than it is on train spotting. Well, there are still some elements from both of them, but porno takes place 10 years after uh, Transpotting instead of 20, and it's about him setting up like a porn studio, not a brothel. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the movie, Renton does the exact same thing he did to them the first time, steals the money with the girl and flees the city again, and then uh, Sick Boy and Begbie are left in the same place that were the first time where now they want to go kill Renton again. So it's this kind of like secular notion of like, if you give them the tools, they'll do the same shit to you and people don't change. That sounds like a French opera. Yeah. And like uh, uh, the message of the book and the movie are completely different. Cause I think this one is like, people don't change in a positive way. And the book is people don't change in a very negative way. Mm. Um, whereas this one is like, well, yeah, if they didn't have the heroin and the drugs and all that sort of stuff, they would have just been childhood friends who grew up in the same town together. Maybe opened a bar together, just been people, but they did shitty things to each other. Shitty, horrible things and continue to do shitty, horrible things to each other. But they kind of, grow with it whereas the book was more so like nope they're gonna just keep fucking each other over until the day they die or kill each other mm. and it's kind of interesting getting both of those points of view <laughs> alright episode's over <laughs> yeah. we're done we figured yeah, it out yeah, we figured it out <laughs> uh, do you want to talk actors I really enjoyed the girl cause she's very much the outsider in all of this she has no real connection to any of them she just kind of thinks they're amusing she even that conversation that she has with Renton of like I like sick boy uh he's a terrible person <laughs> uh I need to and she's just like I need to keep my distance but he's got some cute quirks and then at the end of the conversation she has with uh Renton she's like oh I like you Mark like she's just she sees the like the little good things in people, but then she's also very opportunistic. Where she's definitely using everyone to kind of get her end goals, and you don't even, you never get a full sense of what her end goals are. At the very end, you find out that she has a child. Yeah, and be like you don't even know if her end goal was actually to get back to him, or that just was a happy circumstance. I think it was a happy circumstance. Yeah. Was this Gail or a uh, different person? Uh, Viv. Veronica? Veronica. Veronica yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and then she, wasn't she with Sick Boy, and then she goes with Renton? Renton? Yeah, well, for a she's while. not really with them. Yeah. She just kind of uses. In them. fact, there's that scene where she's like, "You guys should just fuck each other." Yeah, yeah. And they that, don't understand and that's it. one of the, the part that makes me really love her. I like her little. She uses the advantage of her being able to speak a uh, Bulgarian, right? I believe so. They have no idea what she's saying, yeah. but they're just like staring at her, nodding, uh huh, uh huh. And she's like, I'm embarrassed to be around you. You two should really just go <laughs> fuck each other. Yeah. You're clearly in love. It's just really cute. And then it seems like she genuinely has more feelings towards Spud 
like friendship wise than she does to either sick boy or Renton. Well, but Spud then she is, still uses Spud. Yeah. Well, Spud is, uh, I, I've made the argument before. Spud is the heart of this movie. Yeah. Without Spud, this is the most like cold and malice film in a very long time. Without Spud, this movie is just straight up mean. Well, that's what I mean. He's the good emotions. He's- yeah. But the, the thing that I like about it is that he, he is both redeemed and not redeemed. At the end of the movie, he's still a junkie. We don't watch him doing heroin the whole time, but I would not, be, I would, if he gets a whole bunch of money from that book deal, he's spending it on heroin. That is the one director, clever director trick that I really did understand was yeah. when he busted in and saved Spud and they did the thing where he was falling off the roof. Yeah, that was and cool. And then Renton catches him. That made absolute sense because, yeah. yeah, he's saving him just this one time. He's keeping him up. He's not going to save his life, but like long term, but he's helping him just like he probably did. I don't even remember back to the original movie, but like. Like Renton is the reason that Spud is alive, and and I yeah. did like that that little technique of having him fall off the roof, and that was cool. I didn't get a lot of the tricks, but that one was beautiful. Yeah, I like I really like that one. I really like the way they shot the uh, just completely going off topic. I really like the way they shot the club scene after I, I read how they did it or listened to how they did it, uh, where apparently they uh, they the actors were too uh, self conscious of the cameras and they weren't letting loose, so they basically created itty bitty rigs and hid them all around the club mm-hmm. and then just told them to have fun. Hmm. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So the like, the scene like right underneath Johnny Lee Miller uh, was just a person with a camera on their shoulder. And that's how they shot. I'm like, that's really... I mean, that's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. Hmm. Why were they so self-conscious? It was, was It's that? just they're actors. And they're like, well, they're not going to get a legit party vibe if they know they're acting. So they wanted them just to have fun. Huh. And it worked. I liked the bathroom scene. The bathroom scene's so fucking uh. funny. Um, that's kind of what I... Uh, the, the one thing I want to talk about with, uh, with Begbie in this movie, like... Um, Talk about somebody who hasn't changed at all. Yeah, Robert I mean, Carlyle. How is, do you change when you're stuck in prison? You just stay angry. Yeah, but I just like Robert Carlyle is one of my favorite actors of all time. Like he's just phenomenal in everything he's in. Shout out to Stargate Universe. Yeah. <laughs> undervalued. Uh, ravenous. Um, Full Monty. Oh, so good. Once in Full upon, Monty. even yeah. though I stopped reading, watching. Yeah. He's great. He's everywhere, and he's great. Uh, but him in this movie, like I love just the complete, just like untethered rage he has the whole movie mm-hmm. like when he finds out like good things even like good things oh my son's going to college you fucking cunt <laughs> like, like what he like, says cunt are... a lot a yeah. lot uh <laughs> like when he sees the subtitles Renton. couldn't keep up just oh yeah by the, the way yeah the first time he sees Renton was so good cunt! <laughs> <laughs> it's like his version of con yeah my <laughs> The, the reveal of them sitting next to each other was it's just so uh, much fun yeah. like, like just as like Renton's being Renton just being a total dick to this complete stranger and it just happened to be the one guy who wants to murder him like I, I love it it pulled off perfectly I thought Um, but anyhow uh, back to him and his performance I think like a lot of them a lot of them played the exact same character they played 20 years ago Whereas I feel like Robert Kyle actually brought something kind of new to his character. Because, like, whereas, like, Renton, I feel like, didn't grow up, and that's part of the problem. Sick Boy didn't really grow up, and that's part of the problem. Begbie evolved. Evolved. He How? went from he went from fighter guy of the town, like, the, the brawler. Like, he's just, like, you get into it, like, he's going to defend his mates. He's there to fight, to do this. And now he has one single goal to kill this one guy, and he's just pure rage. Whereas before, before that, he, it was to get out of prison. Well, yeah, but it's still like he he went from a guy who was just there who's kind of like the he's the asshole of the crew. You don't want to piss him off, he's going to punch you in the face. And you don't want to get punched in the face. He was also off. very kind of a, mor- a moral compass for them in the, the first yeah. movie, which was which is a weird kind of change for this cuz and that what's helped about watching them together was like he was always kind of judging their uh drug habits. Yeah, he's always clean. calling them yeah. out on it. He stayed clean. He was like that straight edge element. Yeah. And trying to keep them in line, not doing well, but just, he he felt like he like he had his own addiction yeah but he felt like his character felt like he needed to be the leader and the dad of the group because he was a little bit older than everybody so he always kind of had that like i'm responsible for these people so the major change in this one is like uh either it's a mixture of i failed and i need to kill them (laughs) like he's just pure rage and i really like that robert carlisle kind of made that into a person like he made it into like a person that i feel like i could meet i wouldn't want to meet but he feels like a real thing does that make sense yeah it's full, uh, I don't remember the right term right for it, but focused. 
Because then yeah. when he's in prison, his focus is, I need to get out of prison. Either like he started to teach himself law, so then he had to discuss things with his lawyer, and then when his lawyer didn't do what he wanted, he got pissed and tried to kill him. He and also then he studied- learned anatomy yeah. and how to get out, and then he learned how to... He just, he's very calculated once he chooses a goal on how to accomplish that goal. And then when he didn't have a goal, he's just sitting watching TV going, I don't know what the fuck to do. I have no purpose. I'm out of prison now. Yay, well, now I can go hide. kill Renton. Yeah. Well, that's well, when he learns yeah. where Renton exactly. is. So well, the moment he sees where Renton is, he well, figures also, it out. also, when he reads Spud's story and he realizes, yeah, well, like, that's how the beauty do- of it. Because he, he'd be like, how do I get Renton? Okay, so I need to find Spud. And then Spud will get me there. And then, all right, I need to use this phone. I need to coerce them into this place. I need to trap them. Like, he's very pinned on his focus. Well, and then what you said earlier, Brian, about him, like, kind of being their met, like, kind of their leader and failing them. He's he's kind of his whole little kind of side excursion to find the Viagra and get that. Yeah. And do all those things. Like, this impotency thing that is fueling his rage was very clear cut. Like, it was very interesting kind of juxtaposing that. Yeah, and I, I like that Renton tries to appeal to that nature of him. Like yeah. one second, he tries like, hey, remember when we were kids? We were friends then. That scene is beautiful. Yeah. I love the split between the two of them looking up as kids. Yeah, it, it's, and I, I love it. It's it's an attempt. And he's like, yeah, you're right. I still want to kill you though. Yeah. You still ruined my life. And I love that they ruined each other's lives over $4,000. Hmm. <laughs> like it just, it kind of brings us like different light to it. Just like $4,000. And even, I do love that that detail that, that he was trying to help but Spud, but actually ended up still making his life worse yeah. by helping him. Yeah. It's like, what did you think I was going to do? I'm a junkie. And that's I'm, what I, I love. That. He turns down the money from the girl. She's like, I'll give you your uh, your your cut. Just give it to my kid. Because I'll, I'll spend it on drugs. tries. Like, Spud is always trying. He's just really bad at not doing heroin. He can't oh, defeat the addiction. Yeah, his, his story about not understanding what daylight savings time was oh. in the very beginning, it's just, like, it's funny, but it's also like, man, that sucks. It's like, why oh. did anyone have any sympathy for him in that situation? Because people don't have sympathy for drug addicts. Look at our current health system. Oh, we're yeah. trying to just... It's so Opioid stupid. addiction, fuck off. Like, it, we're a terrible... Terrible. And heroin is a genuine problem with the middle America right now in general. Yeah. It's had a huge resurgence. Yeah, so we have no system for respect or trying to help these people. Except and it's, England has a socialized medicine, though. That's yeah. true, but but we're, it's really I mean, with, how does Scotland work in that? Do they? Have, I don't know. Okay, I didn't do any research into that. I probably should. Damn it, Brian! Yeah, I'm sorry. Why didn't you research the Scottish <laughs> healthcare system? Uh, uh, Wikipedia like, is like you read a, all the train spotting books. I know. I like just, that helped. <laughs> They didn't have a chapter on the health system. I'm sorry. Uh, and I haven't read them since high school. It's been a while. Um, but yeah, what else uh, What else have we hit? We hit, uh, we hit Renton pretty hard, Bagby, Sick Boy, Spud, Spud. Uh, Camera, Music's Good. I am curious as who Renton married. It would have been interesting to have a little glimpse into that, but it's also, it wasn't necessary for the story. I, I assume he married the first girl who said yes. Mm, mm-hmm. Just the most general, like, no, she seems like a safe wife. You, well, yeah, you, you take that speech at the end of the movie where he talks about being a normal person. So he would go find the first normal girl that he would consider normal. Who knows what that actually is. But the girl that he would consider normal who would agree to marry him and that's what he would want. And then she wants to have a normal life with kids and a house and a yard and he doesn't want to do that stuff. And then, oh, it starts coming off the rails. Yeah. Oh, uh, his ex-girlfriend. I don't remember her name right now. Kelly McDonald. The lawyer. Kelly McDonald. Yeah. Yeah. She's it was. Great. It was. She's only in it for one scene, but I think she killed it in that scene. Mm-hmm. Just like oh, yeah. all the like lawyery judgment she did about like here I am as a successful person and you guys are still a mess, but yeah. I'll still help you. This is how much it's gonna cost. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> it was. A- I wouldn't do it for free if I were her or either. Yeah. You can't trust these dudes. No. no. You- you give them an inch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like she totally knows exactly who they still are. Oh yeah, but I mean that's what was enjoyable about that one sequence. It's like this somewhat glimpse into the life he could have had. I mean, it's kind of in the trailer they mentioned a little bit. Yeah. Like if you'd been smarter about this, Grant, you shouldn't have been banging a sixteen-year-old. You. She fucking... didn't tell him. That's true, but still. He didn't know until she put the outfit on. And then he felt bad. He didn't feel bad. He felt guilty. There's and a difference. The There's awkward, a big difference. The most awkward serial moment I think I've seen in any movie. Yeah. Oh, fun side note. I mentioned this uh, to Chewie when we were watching it. Uh, behind the scenes of Train Spotting 1, the first uh, first day Kelly McDonald's on set was when they shot the sex scene. She did not know there was a sex scene the first day and invited her parents to set. 
Oh, come on, honey. Uh, Read the call sheet. Oops. <laughs> so, Mom, Dad, I'm going to go fuck Ian McGregor. Remember Shallow Grave, Ian McGregor? Yeah, he was good in that. I'm going to go bang him. See ya. <laughs> Uh, He'll be in a Star War. <laughs> Trust me, he's impressive. Yeah, he's future Obi-Wan. It's going to be is. fine. Dude, I had a poster of him in my college dorm room. Yeah. We all had an Ian McGregor. Did you? I, I have a binder that I've not gotten rid of where I had made a collage out of his face. I also oh, had a poster okay. of Ian McGregor on my wall in college, but it was mm. from Trainspotting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I almost bought a poster for the island. Uh, Why not? Uh, <laughs> no. I like the island. I like how Elliot doesn't say anything for like 10 minutes and then he says something we're like, (laughs) Shut up, Elliot. (laughs) Brian likes that movie too. It's terrible. It's a good movie. It is not a good movie. It was sponsored by Xbox. Remember how I said that Power Rangers had some of the best product placement I've enjoyed in a while? The Island had some of the worst product placement that I Xbox. did not enjoy. Wait, when Mountain you say Dew. The Island was a good movie, do you mean like I think Battleship is a yes, good movie? Yes, absolutely. Okay, all right. Absolutely. Then, then I totally agree with you. Okay. I do not. It has a which clone should you kill moment. Yeah, it's it's a piece of shit. But in the best way. I own it. Uh, (laughs) uh, Is there anything that we have not hit in this movie that people want to talk about? One thing that stood out to me was the spud stuff at the beginning. That almost was more reminiscent of the original's sense of humor. Him with the daylight savings time. Him screwing up the job interview. Yep. And then when Renton rescues him from killing himself, like he throws up into the (laughs) bag that's wrapped around his face. So it's just like an explosion of vomit in the immediate area surrounding Uh. his head. But just to lean into that. you and Brimmer in that scene? No kidding. The the interesting about that is he's the only one who hasn't really left the same place that he was since the first movie. So it makes sense. Uh, I don't remember the apartment, but still, he's in the same mindset that he was in the first movie, so it makes sense that same style of humor and everything would be in the same spot with him, mm. leaning into the making of the movie a little bit more personally, from what I think. It might be interesting uh, coming at this from when we saw these, because I, I I do feel that I was, in for this movie and this previous movie, disserviced by seeing them in 2017. This movie came out in 2017. But, like, the first one, too. So, like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I've missed Trainspotting everything until for this movie. And by that, I just don't get as much out of it as I might have had I connected earlier. Mm. It feels yeah. it feels like this is traces of its time, but nostalgia folding in on that. So like, there's things that are it's about that I kind of miss and leave me feeling more sick boy than Renton on this. The '90s was also such a time of like because we had Beck's Loser, we had like mm-hmm. there was such a time of of like apathy, and it was grunge, so you even dressed like a slob. There was just sort of this sense of like, fuck it, fuck everything, everything is bad, which in retrospect, boy, we really should have appreciated what we had. Um, <laughs> yeah. right. And um, But it, it, that that movie really echoed that. So if you were a teenager listening to grunge, like listening to grunge music, watching this movie, that really resonated with you. And, I, and, and so I don't know that that movie resonates with somebody who's like an adult with a full-time job and married with a kid, you know, in the right, same right. way, especially, yeah, it was very much a product of its time. But I guess maybe that's this movie is if yeah. you're still your life is still shitty, you can relate to it. And so it, so it kind of produces this unintended like the, I know the the whole meta message of nostalgia and all that. It kind of basically just suggests that nostalgia in and of itself is bad. And I think I mean, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily agree back. with that. I mean, it holds you back and agree or not, you know, it's almost I, wh- This is definitely nostalgia porn. It, oh it, yeah, definitely. It is very nostalgic porn and I think some of my some of the how I was off put from the movie this movie is kind of because of that because I'm already kind of on my journey toward like this anti nostalgia thing to begin with so to see this I'm just like well of course this is doing this of course of course you're going to fail because it's self conscious about it though yeah like yeah. if it, if this was um to take a uh, I'm trying to think of a, a good example but. If this was a movie that was just, hey, remember when we made the other movie? Yeah, yeah. I would agree with you fully. It's not that, though. This that's is a like movie that's, Hangover 2. Yeah. Like, right. th- this is not a movie telling you to remember Trainspotting. This is a movie that's using Trainspotting to tell a story. Yeah. Because right. they even illustrate that. They get meta about it, about how their message of nostalgia is negative when they go to rob all the people about 1690. Yeah. They, they mm. talk about them. Like, that like sequence they're so, fun. Yeah. They're that was so fun. stuck in something that happened 300 years ago. And it's like, 
you guys are stuck in something that happened 20 years ago. You're judging these people and stealing their money, but you're just like them. Yeah. And then they're kind of, and to me, that they're kind of throwing that in our faces too while we're watching the movie. Yeah, I, I think this movie is like it. it yeah, I, it's exactly what you just said. It, I think it does that. I think it does that very well, though. Like the talking it, about nostalgia while being nostalgic, which you can't really do one without the other. And I think uh, it's one of the first movies I can say where it's like there's all these parts that I really enjoyed and I think is a really well made movie. But it's like the first one I don't like. I'm never gonna watch this one again. I don't like any of the characters. Like I don't like it. It makes me not like. I just don't like watching it. But there's all this interesting stuff that. It's still making me think about it. It's, that's that's a weird distinction. We don't have many movies that do that where it's like so gray. Yeah, I've and had, so interesting. I, yeah, like, I admit, I've seen movies where I'm like, no, that was cool. I never want to watch it yeah, again. Yeah. But there's kind of like I did this not where have I'm at, that from this one. Where I'm at, I could watch this one all the time. Oh yeah, I love this. I mean, it's kind of like how I really like the movie uh, Blue is the Warmest Color, mm-hmm. but I don't think I'll ever really feel the need to watch it again. But I do enjoy this one, and I'll watch this one again. It really just depends on the movie, I think. But like kind of i'm at war with it in terms of what i'm how i'm how thinking bad. about it hey what's up it's brian here uh you might have just heard chewy say how bad how bad is in reference to me dumping my coffee all over the recorder a wonderful move on my part it appears that everything has worked great but there's clearly no way to edit around that and we might make a few references to it throughout the rest of the episode i apologize greatly for how the uh episode's going to kind of end with a bit of a wet <laughs> but the good news is that our episodes will continue after this because it is working again. I'm a little embarrassed, a little annoyed, but everything's going to work out fine. So enjoy the rest of the episode. Sorry for the lackluster ending again. And yeah, here we go. Where were we? We were you almost know, done. It, it doesn't matter where we were. We were in were. disaster we were, control. We were in Brian fucking spilled his coffee <laughs> all over the recorder. You had one job, Brian. I had one job. not fuck it up. Was my one job to not spill coffee on the recorder? Your one job is to manage the podcast. That's uh, that's in the job. It's in the job description. If you spill coffee on the podcast, you are fucking up. Well, then I fucked up. (laughs) I'm I'm not going to give you a good Yelp review. I'm I don't know we're on gonna, Yelp. I'm already. I'm just excited about being on Yelp. I'm not gonna judge you at all because I'm clumsy as fuck and have like destroyed sets. Uh, so well, I would not judge really. you if you did that because yeah, no, I, I control the set. set. Yeah. But and I, I, I have judge fucked Brian props because up, I'm his wife, so it's yeah. kind of happening. The set destroyer. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, to bring today's episode to a close, I'm apologize for the very anticlimactic end. Uh, so I think it's a great time for quotes. All right, let's let's find some quotes for this this thing for this sucker. This I already is... know mine. Go for it. Please it's don't take mine. Spud, after Renton saves him, he's like, "I was a junkie. What did you think I was going to do with it? You ruined my life, and now you're ruining my death." That's a good one. Uh, I also went for a. Um, well, mine wasn't a Spud line. Mine was a. Uh, mine was a sick boy line, and mine was. Uh, hold on, I need to look at it. I don't want to say it wrong. I probably said mine wrong. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I've got one. It's uh, from Simon. They're at the memorial. And this line particularly stuck out with me. Oh, you're about to say this line right here? Oh, do you want that one? Yeah, okay, shut okay. your dirty little mouth. Oh, I got shut mine. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to go with mine because he's about to say it. I'm going with your tourist in your own youth. It's a good line. It's a great line. I, and I am still thinking about that today. Like, dwelling on that. So that's actually pretty cool. Uh, I need another moment. <laughs> I, I went with the theme of the movie, which is Sick Boy telling Renton, Nostalgia, that's why you're here. That's a good one. Doesn't Renton go on about, you're an addict. You just got to be addicted to something else. Whatever that was. Yeah, that's a good one. There you go. That yeah. Whatever that was. Sure. I I When I arrived here, I watched the trailer in my car to like refresh myself on it and that line was in the trailer so oh it's a good line it's a good line decent it's words on a script page (laughs) you don't like that line Um, it's there (laughs) i don't know i think that really resonates with addiction you like how you can turn it into a positive can can you yeah some people do all right, John. Last but not least. All right, I've I've got another. How do you one. think science happens? <laughs> That's not the one. Is it addiction? Well, it's just obsessiveness. 
Like if you can focus that addiction onto something useful, you could cure cancer. It's like you just need to become addicted to something positive. Very pro-addiction podcast all of a sudden. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know? it's pro-taking something that you're viewing as a negative and turning it into a positive, which is what I think most people need to do with their, their I'll be annoying and use quotation, mental problems. Are you recommending that people get high on life? I'm recommending <laughs> that people stop using crutches and use, I don't know, make things useful instead of deterrence or whatever. Bad words. All right, so for my quote, uh, it's from the scene where they're talking to uh, Diana at the lawyer's office, and she tries to see if there's any identifying marks on the lady, uh, uh, Veronica. And so then she brings up the perineum, and she doesn't know what that is, and so Renton explains, and then she's like, that's disgusting. And then Diane comes with, 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 this, phrase, oh, with this saying, so you're not vajazzled? <laughs> and then I was like, one. what? And I was like, whoa, this is funny. Yeah, I like that one. And it, just, was, it was a, a moment of comedy in something that was already kind of getting a little too bleak yeah. for yeah. me. But I don't know. I kind of think it reads into her uh, job a little bit. I mean, like, how many times has she had to deal with a person <laughs> who was vajazzled? It really is in that performance of the line. Yeah. Review system. Mm. Sequels. That's it. Just sequels. Hmm. Any and all sequels are in play. I will go with Ghostbusters. I really enjoy Ghostbusters too. Oh, okay. I know a I lot like... of people say that it's not as good as one. I'm like, okay, so it doesn't have as much of an emotional impact or whatever as as amazing as Ghostbusters one was because Ghostbusters was new and completely original. But honestly, when it comes to quotes, I quote the second one all the freaking time. I can't do a good accent for Vigo, but I love doing it. <laughs> Vigo. <laughs> I can't either. I'm going to yeah. go for uh, Before Sunset. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> Emily and I disagree on movies, apparently. Hey, I don't like those <laughs> movies We agree either. on T2. That's yeah, true. It's the best movie ever made. Right, yeah. right. Uh, so I'm going with Before Sunset maybe you'll agree with this because they're basically they're very much a similar movie where it's all about regret and what you should have done and what you didn't do uh and i think that's what this movie's about too i would go with 42 up with what? 42 up if any of you are familiar with the, oh, the up, up series, series okay, I've heard of it, documentaries yeah. it they basically oh, okay, sure. started with this segment on a news program called 7 up and just interviewed all these 7 year olds in England or something and then <laughs> not America <laughs> they every seven years they would revisit them so the first one what first sequel was seven plus seven so like seven years later to see how everybody has changed and then after that it was like 21 up 28 up I'm not going to do my seven multiples right now but uh, it basically checks in with the same group of people every seven years to just see how they're lives have changed like what's going on for them now and over the run of the documentary series you really just witness dreams kind of fading and settling into normalcy and just all the curveballs that life throws people that alters their path you know you watch the first one and you kind of make guesses for everybody what their lives are going to be like and there's a lot of surprises that come through the series so watching Trainspotting 2, I definitely thought about that Up series a lot because it was like watching the first movie right before this one. It's getting a sense of who these people are. You have judgments about them. Maybe this one will make something of himself. This one's probably going to die in a couple <laughs> of years. And then watching the sequel, you know, they kind of went where they went. But it's something that's really interesting to see this kind of evolution in characters over the course of two decades. That's pretty interesting. I'd like to watch those. Was it, who hasn't gone yet? M much as I would love to use Mad Max Fury Road, I'm not going to. Um, and I could. Um, but I want to go with Alien 3. Okay. For because of what we said earlier about like Newt, you root for Newt to survive in the first movie, in the second movie, and then like at the beginning of the third movie, it's just sort of like, oh, FYI, dead. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. Um, but uh, also because Alien Three was a film made by a brilliant director 
or future brilliant director, because he was pretty untested at that point, but still, um, with a, a lot of ambition, and there was a lot of clever camera work in it, there were a lot of interesting ideas, and it just didn't quite do what it set out to do. does have the best shot in any of the Alien franchise. Which though. is? The, she has the alien right next to her. Oh, yeah, with the shot. face and yep. the other face. So awesome. The That's the technical term. It. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's a lot. Did you go yet, John? I haven't gone yet. I'm still trying to find a sequel because I don't want to praise it too much or diss it too much, and I'm getting too close to that. Uh, let's Five see. Goes West. I love that movie. That's a great movie. <laughs> Holy shit, that actually works. No. Oh. <laughs> that, if he doesn't like the movie, that's not good. Just go no, with Hangover 2. Let John make his own decision. Yeah, my, own mis- <laughs> my own decisions, damn it. No. No, you get Five Goes West. Uh, no, Hangover 2. Five Goes West. Oh, God. Let's let's do um, Kill Bill Volume 2. Okay. And for the fact that it's, uh, you know, as much as I, I like it and it's doing some cool things, it is uneven and needs its first half. Like, it needs its first part. Like, so, Train Spotting 2 is nothing without its other movie. And Kill Bill 2 is really nothing mm, without true. Kill Bill that Volume 1. So, that's where I'm pulling it together um, in terms of its more technical aspects and kind of what it's trying to do and how it needs the other one to survive. Interesting. Yeah. I like it. All right, cool. Uh, so, that's it for today. Uh, again, I apologize for the very anticlimactic end of our uh, our conversation there. I, uh, I will not drink coffee around the recorder again, <laughs> assuming the recorder keeps working, which we're hoping for the best. I... As far as plugs go, make sure you listen to Beyond School. Three episodes left. Right? Yep. Yep. Uh, as far as us, check out Spotify. I love our playlist. Check out our game, which not a lot of people have been responding to, but I put a lot of work into this thing. So every Monday, we have a game come out called Tip of My Brain, where we show five different screenshots from five different movies, and it's your job to guess them. Uh, I'm going to try to start thinking of some prizes to try to get people to, uh, to play along a little bit more, because I really like pulling these things, and I want people to enjoy them as much as I do. Uh, once I start thinking of that, I will let you know. That's very much. Let's just say in that if works. you get started on it now, you'll be in better standing than if you just start on it when we offer prizes. How about that? Yeah, I I just came up with uh, I think I pulled about ten at work yesterday. They're some of them are pretty tough. I I would totally be guessing them if I didn't actually see the file name. Yeah, I, I named them myself. so that uh, so that we here can actually guess what they are. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't want to be a for creating the post. It's very helpful, but for actually yeah. playing along, it's like, well, I can't do anything with this. I, <laughs> I cannot can't respond guess to what they are. I, I really? feel like an idiot when I play that game. I love the game. Yeah, you pick really well. Oh, there was one that was the fucking Green Lantern. Yeah. So like that one, I could figure that out. That one was in the but, very. That was I have four uh, five folders on our site. That it's uh, easy, still easy, normal, not normal, good fucking luck. I was getting really uh, frustrated that one time when we pulled a bunch of stills and Brian didn't get Secretary or Dick Tracy. And I was just like, come on. I haven't seen Dick Tracy in forever. Secretary, I mean, you chose a pretty iconic shot. That one I should have it was her hands on the desk. I'm like that uh, one. I, I should have got. I was beating my head against the wall. Yeah, like, and I knew I I'd seen that one. Yeah. Yeah. I had to do punishment in some way. <laughs> <laughs> that picture led me to that. Nice. I had to do three punishments. It's all right. Uh, so thank you very much for everyone for listening. Uh, hopefully you're still listening and this is actually working. <laughs> okay. Bye. 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 bye.